Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way. They provide a seamless mortgage experience. Rocket Mortgage not just doing that. They take care of you because they know that these are times are challenging. And Rocket Mortgage is prepared to help. If you need mortgage, mortgage assistance, you contact their team 24-7 at rocketmortgage.com. From their home to yours, the team at Rocket Mortgage, they're with you. It's Ken Carlin on CBS Sports Radio. Coming up in less than 20 minutes, we debate the top five. We do office characters, which I did it for a reason because I think it could end up taking over the rest of the show. And the question of we, the tweets are in. The reaction has been hot. 855-2124-CBS. DJ on Twitter said the people that say you can't say we take sports more seriously than people who do say we. Nick West says we, the Browns, would love the optics of that. That's right, we. Joe B., everyone says we at some point, even if it's one time. Everyone. Anyone who says otherwise is lying. There you go. James says if you're on the payroll, there's another James here. If you're on the payroll, it's we. Other than that, it's they. I give money to McDonald's. I don't go there and walk in the back and start using the deep fryer. (laughs) I don't know if that's true, James. I mean, all right, that's a hell of a point. But people do that all the time, not just in sports. My my uncle, and I'm getting into brands and people don't like this. My uncle sold cars. He was a he collected Pepsi merchandise. He was a huge Pepsi fan. He drank Pepsi at every dinner. He was big on Pepsi. He didn't booze. He didn't do any of the other stuff. He liked his Pepsi. He liked cars and Pepsi. And he had all the Pepsi stuff, and he would be damned if you put Coca-Cola in his house. He would be damned if you put it in his house or on his table. It was Pepsi or water, and that was it. He wouldn't touch it. And I don't think any of the CEOs at Pepsi gave a damn about my Uncle Jack. There are people who they live and they drive and they, they they will die and they will only drive Chevys and there are people who only drive Fords and there are people who only drive Dodge and that's it. And there's a we to that. There is a we to that. But no, that is a hell of a good tweet and a hell of a good point. I have to admit that. 855-2124-CBS. Alright, I wanted to get to this and I'm just going to shoot from the hip, okay? And I'm either going to make a lot of sense here or it's going to, it's, it's going to go all over the place. It'll more than likely go all over the place. But I, I have to get this off my chest because I thought Wednesday was a great day. I thought Wednesday, I thought it was a day I wasn't going to see. Finally, 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 NASCAR stopped catering to the wrong type of people. It shouldn't have happened on Wednesday. It should have happened a long time ago. It should have happened while Dale Earnhardt was still alive. That's when it should have went down. Kelly Earnhardt loves to tell a story, and it's about her father. 
and it's about her father and a man who grew up in Kannapolis, South, or Kannapolis, North Carolina, who really did embody the American dream. What makes Dale Earnhardt an American icon and why my father loved him so much and why I loved him so much is because it's one of the things that my father and I shared. I loved the black number three. I even loved it when I was very, very little. I still barely remember the, the Goodyear, or the, excuse me, the, the Wrangler Chevrolet, the number three. I don't remember him when he was with Bud Moore. I apologize. I was way too young for that, and I think that's actually was before I was born. But I remember the the blue and yellow the blue and yellow number three, and I remember the black number three. And when he died, it's one of the hardest times I've ever cried in my life. I've cried for very few celebrities. I cried when Tom Petty died recently, and I cried when Dale Earnhardt died. I bawled my eyes out. And there are times where I still watch his win in 2000, win number 76, where he comes from 15 down, and Dr. Jerry Punch is doing the, the play-by-play, and he's telling Kenny Wallace, come on, come on with me. You can see him waving his paw as they're going around in Talladega, and he's coming back from, from 15th. I think he might have been in 18th place at the time, and comes back with five laps remaining and wins. And it should have happened while Dale Earnhardt was alive, and I'll tell you why. Because Kelly Earnhardt likes to tell this story about her father. She's the oldest daughter of Dale Earnhardt, she knew him well, as well as any of the kids are going to. And she tells a story about a guy who lives in Kannapolis, North Carolina, and then lives on a lake, Dale Earnhardt, who has accomplished much, who is as southern as anybody and probably is, I would say, if there was a Mount Rushmore of the south, Dale Earnhardt should be on there. And he had a bumper sticker, Southern by the Grace of God, and had a Confederate flag on the side. And their housekeeper who was a black woman who was also taking care of the kids, saw it, shared with Dale that it didn't sit well with her, that it offended her. Dale Earnhardt didn't fire her. Dale Earnhardt didn't tell her tough bleep. Dale Earnhardt didn't tell her to get used to it. Dale Earnhardt went out there with an X-Acto knife and cut that flag right off of there. Because even Dale Earnhardt didn't have the heart to tell somebody, a man of a different generation, he'd be 69 years old right now, a man of a different generation didn't have the heart to tell a black person who was offended by that, what that flag stands for, did not have the heart to tell him, well, it's heritage, it's not hate, and let me tell you why. He wasn't even going to do that. Now, that's a person who is, again, the embodiment of the American spirit. Little education, quit school in the ninth grade, was an imperfect husband, Imperfect father, imperfect person, still became an American icon. That's what our country is founded on. And it's high time that that flag went away. If that flag would have went away there and Dale Earnhardt would have said it was okay, I think it would have done a lot of good. But the flag continued to permeate for the next 20 years. I, I was on a guy named Garrett Bush, He's and I, I know we're on in Cleveland, and I can say this in Cleveland, but I, and I, he knows I mean this. I think Garrett has one of the best personalities. I think he's an exceptionally talented broadcaster. I love Garrett. And we are from the same area. He's from Canton, Ohio. I'm from Canton, Ohio. I was born there, but I was raised in the town right next door. And we come from the same area, but he's a black man. I'm a white man. We come from different backgrounds. He said he never felt comfortable watching NASCAR because of the flag. He said that. I love NASCAR. At at the very beginning of the conversation, it's awkward and uncomfortable. That's the very beginning of the conversation. And I've had time to think about this over the last few uh, last few days when they finally did this. And, and a congratulations to Steve Phelps. A congratulations for Bubba Wallace to, to sticking to his guns and doing this. 
for them to do this is the right move. And there's plenty of other reasons to tell you why. I'll start personally and then I'll move on. Because me, I like NASCAR. And there's a lot of stereotypes that come with me. I like NASCAR, and I'll tell you personally, in my own life. I love it. I will always love it. I always have loved it. I look past the ugliness of what it was. I was uncomfortable by it. It was always something I had to explain somehow to my black friends, and there was never any explanation to it. But I also like other things. I like, I wouldn't call myself Larry Zaka, but I do consider myself a bit of a sportsman. I like to fish. I like to hunt with my buddies. I have voted for Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians and Independents. I have voted for them. I am a gun owner. I am a person who likes country music. I don't like current country, to be honest with you. My favorite country musicians are Charlie Daniels and Hank Williams Jr. and Waylon Jennings and the Possum and all those guys. It's a bygone era myself for that. And myself... I know by the things I like, "Mm, there's a certain stereotype to that. Because there's a lot of people, when they hear me saying those things that I really enjoy and really like, they go, eh, there's something missing there, ain't it, Kenny? There's something that you don't seem to like. And that stereotype bothers me. Because people in my family have worked very hard to get away from that stereotype. And then I think, boy, that stereotype really bothers me. Could I imagine being a, a black person or an Asian person or a or a a, a person from Hispanic descent, or from any other walk of life, the stereotypes that are put to them, I got it easy. Hell, don't I have it easy. And so now that I get to get away from that, my sons, who I hope like auto racing, my sons, who I hope like NASCAR, who will certainly have a much more enriched background than I had growing up, that will certainly have a much more diverse culture growing up than I had growing up, hopefully they won't have to go, well, yeah, you see, I like NASCAR, and I know there's a Confederate flying there. Uh, I, I hope they don't have to do that, and I'm glad they won't. I'm glad they won't. Over the last couple of days, I've been seeing plenty of people, and this is something of, of where we're at as a society as well. Where I watch NASCAR, I love NASCAR, and I, I do follow a lot of their Facebook pages and so on, and I've seen plenty of people get in. You've just lost a fan. You've just lost a fan. I will never watch NASCAR again. You don't understand. It's heritage. Okay, one, I don't think you would say that in real life to a person of color. Two, I know that people, they say, well, my great-great-grandfather fought for the Confederacy It's the heritage of the flag. It's the heritage of what it is. I've had to, on this very show, in front of God and the entire country, say terrible things about my own family members and my own past people I actually knew. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to admit that their family members came from bad places or did bad things or or believed in bad things. Nobody wants to do that. It's why when you watch Ancestry commercials, when you see commercials for Ancestry.com, they tell you, and I went to Ancestry.com, turns out I'm the eighth cousin of the King of England. Me and Queen Elizabeth, we're related. They don't sit there and go, I'm second cousin to Ted Bundy? What? They don't do that. People don't want to believe that type of thing. They don't want to believe it about their own family members. If you're struggling to come to the agreement of, of... the atrocities that happened 200 years ago, that yes, your family member was a part of that, maybe you're not, that's that's on you, friend. I don't know what else to tell you. 
It's asinine. It's absolutely dreadfully asinine. And I'm getting a lot off my chest about this. It's an asinine thing. It's an asinine thing to still believe. There's plenty of things of Southern culture that is great. I have family members who live in the South. There's plenty of things there. The flag is reviled. I didn't even know about it as a kid. I watched Dukes of Hazzard. I never thought Uncle Jesse was a racist. I didn't think them dang old Duke boys were bad. Kind of had an idea about Boss Hog Angeli. But when I started to get a little bit older and I talked to people of different backgrounds, people who look different from me, oh, boy, that's pretty, pretty bad, that flag. Pretty bad. So as a NASCAR fan, I want what's best for it. I want my sons to like sport. I want my sons to like sports. I want my sons to like cars. I want them to like racing. Racing's going through a big change right now. People are as disinterested in cars as they've ever been. Probably for the first time in our our history since Henry Ford. We're looking at autonomous cars. We're looking at self-driving cars. Kids, I, I it seems to be where. And maybe Hickey, and I don't mean to bring you in on, on this type of thing. This is something that people could find uncomfortable, but i I got to bring you in on this. Uh, real quick, when did you did you get your license when you were 16? Yeah, 16, 17, how, just about and there. I, how old are you now? 25. Okay, thank you. I'm hearing more and more of my friends who go, and and I got friends who are a little bit older, and I got friends who, who had kids early, and they say, well, you know, my kids, they just they don't want to drive. They, they don't want to learn how to drive. We but, we offer to give driving lessons, take them to get driving lessons, take them to get their license. They just don't want to do it. Kids don't know how to drive stick shift anymore. It takes about 15 minutes. Isn't that hard? They don't want to do it. I mean, NASCAR really has a crisis on its hand. Auto racing in general has a crisis on its hands. The next generation is not as into cars, at least it seems to be, not as into cars as what we thought so. We have environmental concerns that are involved. We have the growth of electric cars that are involved in this. These are, these are things that NASCAR has to address as time goes on. Sport, motorsports in general has to address as time goes on. Meanwhile, they still need money. It's the most money-driven sport out of any of them. And you can't tell me that Steve Phelps hasn't had conversations with possible corporate sponsors because for the first time since 1971, there is not one presiding sponsor over their major series. It was Winston Cigarettes or R.J. Reynolds for a very long time. Then it went to to Sprint and then Monster. Now you have a collection of four. There used to be one sponsor for one driver. Those sponsors used to go to drivers to different cars if they had to. You knew when you were a kid what kind of car Mark Martin drove. You knew what Jeff Gordon drove. You knew what Dale Earnhardt drove. You don't know that anymore. They're struggling to find their identity. And meanwhile, they're leaving money on the table because they want to get with corporate sponsors who want to get with their their fan base, who want to get with people of America. And these corporate sponsors in today's culture, and rightfully so, they have Twitter accounts. They have had to deal with civil suits. They have had to deal with class action suits based on racism and sexism and ageism. And they are more cognizant of these problems than they've ever been in their entire existence. And NASCAR comes to them, and all of a sudden one of the people in their PR looks and goes, what is with all these Confederate flags out here? That People aren't comfortable with that. I think we're going to go sponsor another sport. You guys come to us later on. NASCAR can't afford to do it anymore. 
and you say, well, I'm never attending a race again. That's fine. You weren't attending it in the first place. And the big boom of NASCAR in the 1990s, there was over 200,000 seats in certain places. 200,000 seats. Loges, as far as the eye could see. In fact, there's still certain condos built right on the racetrack in certain places. A lot of places that sit empty. One of the greatest coliseums you'll ever see, some of the best racing that you'll ever see at Bristol Motor Speedway. Go look up Bristol Motor Speedway in the spring race of 2019. Look at the empty end zones that they had in turns one and two and three and four before you had to be on a waiting list to get those tickets. Richmond International Speedway, and another example for you, at one point held over 120,000 people. They reduced it to 60,000 people at that time, and they don't report on attendance anymore. You had maybe 30,000 people at Richmond International Speedway last year in their spring race. The people who say that you've lost me as a fan, you're not going either. Which brings it to the final point. This is the first time when I told you that I was a kid, that I would sit there and I would watch Dukes of Hazard and other shows and, 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 and syndication and reruns, and, and, and I was a kid and there was no such thing as social media, and I lived in my little town with my, with my friends and my family, and a lot of us looked the same, and then I told you I... I went to high school, and there were a couple of kids who were different looking than us, different different backgrounds than us, and I, I had to learn about them, and my mind had to change a little bit. I couldn't keep doing that way that we might have thought or, or that I could have fallen into that trap, especially with certain members of my family from back when, when I was seven and eight and nine years old. I couldn't do that anymore. I had to change. I had to change that perception. There are still plenty of people from a different generation who are back there. They lived in their bubbles. They haven't met people who are in different backgrounds. And they wonder, why can't things be the same? Why can't we go to the good old days? Because we're connected now. If I, did, if I was uncomfortable seeing news on TV, I could turn off the TV, and then I could just go away and read a book or watch a movie or whatever I wanted to do. Now if I turn off the TV, I turn on social media, the same thing is there. But in fact, it's everybody, and everybody has it. Good, bad, ugly, whatever it is. We are more connected than we've ever been. So for society to thrive, for us to thrive, for NASCAR to thrive, change must happen. This shouldn't have been done on Wednesday. It should have been done a long time ago. But at least it was done. And I'll have a little bit clearer of a conscience as a NASCAR fan because of it. And I ain't going anywhere as a NASCAR fan. I'm more prouder today than I was on Tuesday to be a fan of NASCAR. And I hope that over the time, a lot of other people are going to enjoy me. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Coming up next, we argue the top five, top five office characters. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show. How do you not pick the office theme song for this segment? Lazy producing. No, because we agreed the Family Feud music was going to be the top five music every single week. Last week, you literally said, play this every week, we do top five. Yeah, except for we're arguing about a TV show, maybe people want to hear that theme song, huh? I'm following your directions you gave me from last week. Hey, listen, if you can't think for yourself, what are you going to do in this business, son? Quit. You ready? I'm done. You ready? What if you did quit live on air? It's happened before. You remember our net of the mood, Seta? What? A, a net of the oh, mood? Oh, look that up. You look okay. that up. All oh, right. she she quits this bitch on the big station. It's a really good one. I got to tell you, I think I agree with her. Anyway, 
Uh, we, I did. I like to do the top five. I do the top five on Twitter, at least until sports comes back. Then I'll probably stop. Uh, I did a top five most loved and the top five most hated office characters. Now, I'm probably going to have to open this up to the phones. 855-2124-CBS. Also, whether or not you can say we as a fan. Hickey, do you want me to do the love first because it's not as controversial? Yeah, let's say the controversy for the end because that got a lot of interest in okay. the My top five most loved from five to one. I love Meredith. Daryl at number four. Dwight at number three, Michael at number two, Creed at number one. Yay or nay? I have a little bit different up top. I have the three, um, a little different order, but those three are definitely the top. I love Creed is great. Um, he does have a funny line, I don't think, in the movie, but I would, for the most part, I agree. I think Kevin belongs in there in the top five. And um, <sighs> no, no, it's just it's so simple. Someone said, wait, you didn't say Kevin because it reminds you too much of yourself. I go, I have hair. <laughs> I have hair, and I have a family who loves me. I didn't run off my fiancé like Kevin did. Well, do go we know ahead. he ran off his fiancé? I feel like it's always a little bit of a... Oh, she left him. Stacy left him. I know, but I'm not saying... I mean, it doesn't mean he ran her off. I mean, look at his disposition in the first place. You don't think that that helped a little bit? I mean, he still openly talks about, you know what, why she's there. Uh, okay. Don't get me started. Uh, fine. Okay. All fair. right. Did you have your top five before we get into the most hated? Because that's going to be the fight. Yes. I have Kevin at number five. Stanley, my guy, at number four. <laughs> followed by, I. you laugh because I can't wait. I cannot wait for you to reveal your top five most hated. And then, like you said, top three, just a little different order. Dwight, Creed, and then I have Michael at number one, most beloved. I love how they write Michael throughout the show. I like how he goes from idiot to careless idiot to caring idiot to actually kind of smart and nice guy. Like, there's a couple of touching parts in that in that show. I thought one of the turning points is was when he puts Jim in charge and everybody starts revolting against Jim, and they kind of let it out that Michael does some of his stupid stuff on purpose. Do you remember that when they're eating cake? Yeah, and Mike, uh, yeah, and Jim yeah, can't and understand how because he had the birthday idea that was awful. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, we just had our first like look into Michael, and then by the end, everybody's crying because Michael's leaving. Could you imagine crying because your boss is moving? That's how much Michael was loved at the end of that show. I couldn't agree more, especially because they knew they were getting Robert California and uh, who was D'Angelo Vickers. Ah, D'Angelo. Oh God, I can't believe Andy didn't make my most hated list. Andy should really be on my most hated. I kind of want to sub Andy in for Stanley. But number five, Stanley. Jeez. Do, should I explain him as we go? Yeah. or should oh, I? No, no, no. Okay. These, these top five hated need explanations. Boy. All right. Well, I hope Erica Herskowitz has some time on her hands because away we go. Stan, the reason I don't like Stanley, I should like Stanley. Pro- Andy's probably going to end up taking over by the time this segment's done, I guarantee it. But the reason why I don't like Stanley is, is listen, I, I know you're trying to be a good dad. If you're that good of a salesman, just get the hell out of that building, huh? You sit there and you talk about how stupid Michael is and how inept he is at a job, and you tell him to his face numerous times you don't respect him. And somehow, even though you play Sudoku and crosswords and you seem to not care and you pr- you pride yourself on how lazy you are at that job, you're still one of the top salespeople in the entire building, right? Why don't you just get the hell out of there and go make some real money? Instead of instead of going around in your leather ass for your daughter who's in Catholic girls' school, and you talk about her, and you're so defensive of her, maybe you got a little bit of underlying problems there because you seem to want to sex everybody except for your daughter's mother. Am I wrong? 
Stanley might be a decent dad. He's certainly not a good husband. He's proven that many times over. And I think there's just so much more that Stanley could offer. And he seems to hate Michael even though he has no problem laying around on his ass just waiting for all these big these big deals to come in where he doesn't even seem to try. So who is it? Is it Michael's fault or is it really yours, Stanley? Can you Hickey? say he's a company man? I say Stanley's a company man. He loves the company so company much. Company man, he my ass. He says he hates the job, and he says he hates Dunder Mifflin. That he is sticking through despite not liking his boss. Oh, my God. He's still good at his Listen job. Listen to you. And Ugh. not to mention, I mean, let's be honest here. How many of us mail in at some point at one point or another during our jobs? Stanley sees sees the end goal. It's retirement. That's all. So, I mean, don't don't fault the guy for just... Not you know, just trying to rush to retirement and just trying to sit on the beach all day. You saw when they went down to Florida. Yeah. How how much fun Stanley was, how much he enjoyed life. He was driving great. around in yeah, Ferrari. That's yeah. what he wants. Well, while and he's you're working telling, towards that. Well, you're telling me Stanley likes to enjoy vacation. Wow. That's re- well, you really let me so in on that. So many people do not like their jobs wow. but push through it because they have a family. But that's they, the they thing. can't just Is quit. You can't he start. Excels. He excels at his job, and he still exactly. sits there and lets Michael be an idiot around him. That's his fault. That's what else are you going to do? You're 50 that's years his old. Fault. You that's can't not just start Michael's. a new job, start at the bottom yes, when you, you have a can. family. No, you can't. If you're still selling paper when you have Office Depot and Staples around you, just hammering you to, into non-existence, and the place is getting bought three times over, and from the very beginning of the show. So how long? How many seasons did that show last? Like nine? From the very beginning, they say it's a failing paper company, Hickey. And he stays? See the writing on the wall, Stanley. Get the hell out of there. But Maybe it's he Michael's tried. We don't fault. know. Oh, please. All right, I got four more I got to give you. We got to get to Erica Herskowitz because I feel terrible for her. I don't want to keep her waiting around to like 145 because of this because it's, it's going to be knocked down, drag out. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, Stanley's my number five most hated, even though I think it'll probably be Andy Bernard by the end of it. In fact, I'm probably about to just change that now. 855-212-4CBS. I'm going to have to go through quickly when we come back because – Listen, if you, if you like the show and you like me, you're going to hate my guts by the end of the show, who my number one and my number two most hated characters are, okay? It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. At CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, it's brought to you by GEICO. They've introduced the GEICO Giveback, a 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies for current and new customers, the current part is so important. For current and new customers, a 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies that last the full term of your policy. Visit geico.com slash giveback for info and eligibility. Final segment of the show. Speak now forever. Hold your peace. 855-2124-CBS. Andrew Filipponi on at 2 p.m. Eastern. I apologize in advance. I saw what he I saw what he said about me about playing my NASCAR video games last week. Let's see what let's see what great big take he's got on that coming up here soon, huh? Gosh, are you ready to get, do the rest of the top five most hated? Have to. Okay, for a second I thought I lost you there, Hickey. All right, so I did my top five most loved: Creed, Michael, Dwight, Daryl, Meredith. My top five most hated. And already people are getting in, and going your 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 takes are pretty are pretty much trash on this, Ken. All right, fine, whatever. I knew I was going to be well-liked when I started this. I know you're going to hate me after this. Here we go. My number five most hated was Stanley. I kind of already want to change it to Andy, man. Damn it, I really hate Andy. Like, I don't like Stanley. It doesn't mean I don't like – like, I like Stanley all of a sudden. I really can't stand Andy Bernard. Oh, well, yeah, that was a big f- omission by your part. Andy is I awful. Know. Andy's definitely number six with a bullet. 
Uh, number four is Angela. Make sense? Yes, she's also my top five worst characters. I would agree. Okay, I mean she is. Uh, she's she is a person who is a hypocrite. Um, I I just don't think she's a good person overall. I don't think there's any real good qualities to her. I mean, I guess her her love of cats. I I like I like animals too. I guess I'm not a big cat guy, but you know, to each their own. I think she takes it a little bit too far. Um, did I take Dwight's side when he had to let the cat down? But had to put the cat down. Is that true? Did he he put the cat down right for its he own did, good? He did. Yes. Yes. And sprinkles she was, was upset. Very sick. Yeah, she was very upset over sprinkles. Uh, I I took Dwight's side in that because quality of life. There, this is going to take a weird turn. You're not the father of a household yet, Hickey. You will be. Like, there's sometimes I look at Sam and I'm like, man, I love you. And I'm like, man, one of these days I'm going to have to make a bad ride with you. That's oh. it's the responsibility you take it's, on when you are the, uh, yeah. the father figure in the household. It's 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 what I'm going to have to do. Like, I was feeding, I was giving fa- Sam a little bit of steak yesterday. And I'm like, man, because I'm like, he's eight years old and he deserves it. And I go, won't be too long now. Won't be too long. He's such a good boy. Number three, Ryan. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Yes. I mean, Ryan's a, a bad guy. guy. Yeah, Ryan's a bad guy. And uh, I can't believe Michael takes him back in into the fold. I can't stand Ryan. Can't stand him throughout the entire thing. He actually makes me like Jim, which I'm going to give away here. Number two and number one. And these two, I think they're number two and number one, and they're like higher than one and two could possibly be. Jim and Pam. Pam number two, Jim number one. I can't stand either of them, and I certainly can't stand them together. And if you think differently, then fine. You go ahead and call me up and fight me on it. And, Hickey, if you want to fight me on it, you go right on ahead because I'm going to knock down every single argument you got for me, buddy boy. You go right on ahead. All right, so this is where I'll throw my uh, my questions. And I don't have a problem with Pam, per se, um, although I think she has more redeeming qualities than she does negative. I don't get the whole gym thing for you and why you hate him so much and why he's number one. So could you, wow. if you explain? So you understand first of why all, I hate? Wait a minute! You understand why I dislike Pam, but you don't understand why I dislike Jim? No, no again, I think Pam is oh. more. I think Pam's a better character than she. She has more positives than negatives. I understand the negatives. I understand the negatives from where you said we had this debate probably about almost a year or two ago. Okay. Now she withheld. You know, she held back Jim, kept leading Jim on, then didn't allow Jim to pursue his career in I uh, was it sports marketing. Um, mm-hmm. So she really put herself first for basically the, almost the entire show. And we sympathize there in the beginning, and towards the end, it takes a bad turn. She's flirting with the cameraman. Mm-hmm. It was just a bit. Toward season nine was a bad, bad season for Pam overall. Um, but I don't get Jim. No, I, I don't get why you hate Jim. To me, at least for the most well, part. Well, first off, I'll go on. I'll go in on Pam. What were you going to say about Jim here for a second? No, I, I'm. I want to know what your okay. why you hate him first, and then I want to. Then I'll ask questions after that. Well, I, I'm going to go in on Pam first because all those reasons are correct. I think that she consistently brings down the room. I think she consistently brings down those who are around her. Roy and Roy was no prize when they were together. I think she allowed Roy to be a slob when they were together. Roy, after they're done, acts more of himself. He's with someone who demands more of him. He ends up becoming a very successful person, as we see later on. And what does she obviously do? She starts to have some of these weird second thoughts, even though she's there with her husband, who she left Roy for. At his what? At his wedding? 
She's there for that, and she starts to have these weird second thoughts and these weird questions. Then she goes on that speaking tour with Michael, and the whole time, how's it going to be with Karen? And you know there was some weird thing. Oh, Karen, oh, you're able to go ahead and have a husband already with somebody else. I got everything really made with Jim. And then at the end of all this, you're sitting there flirting the entire time, having an emotional, basically having an emotional tryst. With the camera guy. I mean, how many of these people are you going to rope into your weird web? And also, Pam, let's let's cut the crap for just a second. Your paintings suck. All right? I've met sixth graders who could paint the same damn thing. Your paintings and your drawings and all that stuff suck. Okay? I mean, they're decent. They're decent for middle school kids. Anything else, I've seen the same thing and anywhere else. The people who said it was hotel art, I stand and I applaud them. I stand and I applaud them. Also, you put this great big thing on Jim about not hurting grandma's feelings. Who cares about grandma's feelings because you got pregnant before your wedding? It's your wedding. It's your life. You can do whatever you want. If that upsets grandma, then she's probably part of the reason that you are the way you are. And then let's get to Jim for a second because I don't just blame Jim. I blame the parents. It starts off where they have the job fair where the one guy shows up. Was This the this was the Andy Bernard idea, I think it was, where he has some sort of a weird job fair and basically it was just to get clients and so one guy shows up ends up that he and Jim were old friends back in the day and they don't talk to each other because Jim's mom says that he shouldn't be hanging with him anymore because Jim's at a different reading level and then of course Jim being Jim because he's an ass told him that I can't hang out with you anymore because you're stupid turns out Jim's a paper salesman at Dunder Mifflin oh you're so cool you're so smart you're so edgy yeah you're a paper salesman at Dunder Mifflin well you've really done a whole lot with yourself with your little looks towards the camera and you're beating down on Dwight Schrute who's made the most of his job is the top salesman owns land owns a beet farm has his own cousin live with him is able to run his own business ends up buying the building by the end of the series but here's Jim oh man I'll get with athlete and really what he'll do is he'll make Daryl do all the work which Daryl did do all the work for athlete and the entire time hey let me bring in Karen over here let me convince Karen to move with me from Stanford Connecticut back to Dunder Mifflin over there in Wilkesbury Scranton Pennsylvania and then of course I'm gonna end up having an emotional affair with Pam all over again and then I'm gonna leave her for Pam and thank God because Karen ended up way better off in a way better situation with a way better boss and a way better husband and then the whole time with Jim while he's you know having that first infatuation with Pam boy what bravery what pills you have on you there Jim every time Roy comes in you scurry away back to your desk there you go Jim boy I tell you what you have a weird way of showing how much you really love the girl god forbid you'd have yourself a backbone and stand up to Roy for what's going on you don't do any of that do you no you just slink away and be Jim with your cool hair and your own stupidity making weird faces towards the camera where everybody else works around you and looks better Jim's the worst type of person he and Pam make everybody Everybody's lives around them different, and what I get so upset about the most, what I get so upset about the most, is everybody uses Jim and Pam as some sort of this great example of what love and security and relationship is, which is the biggest line of crap you've ever heard in your life over the last five minutes of what I just told you. That should have proven it wasn't true. When you have Bob Vance of Vance Refrigeration and Phyllis right there showing you what true love and passion and lust and everything that goes into a great relationship is, and nobody wants to pay attention to them. Nobody wants to pay attention to them. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you know, Phyllis got a little bit of, a little bit of heft. Bob's got a little bit of heft. 
Got a little bit of tread off those tires on both sides, but they're meant for each other. They love each other. They can't keep each other's hands off one another. They have sex in restaurants together. She's become his number one. If you can't see the love that is in there, you're part of the problem, not part of the solution, friendo. Is it that's it? That that's, that's all you it, have to baby. say about Jim? That's it. Oh, I think I've gotten I think I've gotten it all against <laughs> Jim off my off my chest. Have See, I not? Now what about this? Can't you applaud Jim for being a good husband, supporting his then girlfriend Pam when she fails at art school in New York City? They're dating they are far they are dating long distance. Pam mm-hmm. fails, and what does Jim say? Well, you know, you didn't you know, keep on going, take another six month art class. Yeah. And then what she do when he what's he what's she do when he wants to start up his own business? Exactly. You so I can understand the here. Pam, but they're why both, can't I'm we not give props they're to both Jim? bad people. That's the thing. They're both bad people. And I'm not going to absolve Jim of that because again, Daryl does all the work for that, does he not? Daryl does everything. That's and Daryl leaves back a on different situation. Daryl leaves a different situation. Daryl has worked harder for his money because he has a physical job. He's worked his way up to the manager of that part of it, where he is the he's the foreman. He's the foreman of the loading dock. He obviously makes good money because he makes what Michael just makes barely as much as him, and they both get raises at the same time. Daryl has alimony he has to pay. He has child support he has to pay. He's trying to be a good father to his daughter through the entire thing. Daryl has way more to lose, and Daryl's the one who does the front work. While Jim just stays there while Pam continuously beats down on him, Jim goes, okay, well, fine, I guess I guess you're right, but I'm going to hold this to you, and then we're going to have some fight because I can't figure out how I want to be an adult when I'm already pushing 40 years old. Well, congratulations, Jim. Maybe you should have figured it out when you were in the advanced reading section back in school, not when you were a 40-year-old with two kids, a wife, and a mortgage while you're working in a failing paper company. Well done, Mr. Midlife Crisis. There's guys who grab the world by the stones like Robert California, like Daryl Philbin. They make no excuses for themselves, but here's old Jim. Oh, don't forget Jim, by the way, bought a house without his own wife taking a look at it. Wow. The ballsiest thing the guy ever did was buy a house that was his house growing up on. Why don't you let go of your childhood, okay? Jeez. What an emotional child. Wow. I, I bought the house I bought the house we grew up in. All the furniture's the same, but we can change it. That's the creepiest thing he's ever done. Pam should have turned around and ran back to Roy right at that moment. At least Roy's a man. Roy was on. awful. An awful boyfriend. Well we'll just say that. Roy was a bad boyfriend. I'm not I'm not absolving Roy, but Roy was a man. Roy was a bad boyfriend. And I think part of that was he was immature. How long did she let him be engaged to him? Or she let him be like engaged two years, to her? Right? They had, didn't yeah. they, what? Didn't, didn't yeah. he win the Dundee like two years in a row? For you know, the they're, they're, you know what? I'm going to tell you this right now. We were nine months into it. Liz goes, you're going to propose to me or we're going to move on here. I'm not going to sit there and, and, and mess around all ever. Mess around forever here. We're either going to work about this or you're just going to move on and I'm going to move on and we're going to do it separately. And I'm a better man, a better husband, and a better father for it because Liz put me right on the spot. She could have done that to Roy the entire time. No, she wanted to keep going with her drawings that my five-year-old on his birthday pr- could probably do right now, right after the show. Well done, Pam. Regular Picasso you are over there. Great stuff, Jackson Pollock. <laughs> <laughs> the, the painting of the office is good. What? Well, yeah, because she didn't see it every single day going in there. Every single day. Failure as an artist, failure as a salesperson. Ugh. 
Jim sucks. Pam sucks. Hate being around him. Would hate to be their neighbors. Glad that they're gone. Glad they're away from me. Give me Phyllis and Bob Vance Vance refrigeration any day. Don't forget, Bob Vance paid $1,000 to give his own wife a hug. Exactly. Now that's a husband. That is a husband. You got anything to say on Jim? I I thought I was going to get this big defensive Jim. You got nothing. Again, I I think you're giving a little too much flack, but I understand what you're saying. Um, Yeah. It's something to push back on. Again, I would not say he's the worst character by far. Mm. Um, I think he brings too much joy, too much happiness to the show, too much comedic relief with his pranks of, of Dwight. That without that, who knows what the show is? Honestly. Oh, I, I listen, I don't disagree. Like he, I guess he makes it fun in his own way. Um, you don't think the pranks are funny? You don't think slacking of off are. at work, basically being so good some at your job are. that you have so much time I, off? I love the episode, though. One of my favorite episodes is the one Christmas episode where Dwight basically gets his revenge. The, the mental, snowballs? The mental warfare with the snowballs and the snowmen out there at the end of the episode. Oh, my God. I love Dwight. Everything that Dwight does is great. When he had Moe's drive his car to throw to throw Angela off the scent, it was incredible. <laughs> Dwight's the best. Jim sucks. Jim sucks now. Jim sucks forever. Jim will always suck. But I will say, and people are going, well, Ken, I mean, look at the show. I love the show. I love the show. That show, you have to think about that. You and I just had a knockdown drag out at the end of our show about fictional characters. That's how well that show was written. One of the best shows in American television or in television history. Big thanks to everybody who joined us today. We'll have Bill Bender on next week. For Hickey, for Pierno, for Pete McCarthy, for Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, for Erica Herskowitz, I'm Ken Carmen. Have a wonderful weekend. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.